0: Here is iUniverse Radio with host, Steve Jorgensen.
1: The title of the book, Don't Retire, Renew, the new concept of life after work and live life to its fullest in renewalment. And the author is Lou Kaufman. This is a special author interview brought to you by Trafford Publishing. Hello, Lou. Hello, Steve. Well, good to have you with us. Now, this is a concept for people who are nearing that great time in their life when they're eager to kind of kick back, but you're saying don't retire, renew. You know,
2: and it uh, it all happened, I guess, a couple of years ago when my wife, who was getting ready to retire, uh, she was uh, doing the, in the accounting profession, and April 15th was the deadline, and she came home on April 14th, and, and she was crying. And I said, my goodness, what seems to be the problem? And she said, well, you know, I've been thinking about retiring. And my gosh, I, I, I've been doing this for 30, 35 years. I love my work. I love the people. And, uh, and I said, uh-oh, we've got a problem. That word retirement seems to be. So we sat there over cocktails, and, and uh, we talked about it. We tried to come up with different words. And so we looked up, you know, we came up with the word renew, and we said, hey, that sounds pretty good. And we went to the uh, dictionary and we looked up the word "renew" and it it talked about all kinds of good things. It was uh, 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 positive. It was renew it, it, to begin or take up again, according to Webster's dictionary, to restore, replenish, to revive, reestablish. And we said, oh, God, that's great!" So let's 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 use that word. And then and then I went to the dictionary at that time and I looked up the word "retirement" and. Retirement, according to Webster's dictionary, says to withdraw I'll I'll go, go away to a place of abode to shelter or seclusion, to fall back or retreat in an orderly fashion and according to plan as from battle. And then it says retirement means withdrawal into privacy or seclusion. And I said, wow, boy, is that ever negative. And so if we coined the words, let's renew and go into renewal and stay away from retirement.
1: Well, a lot of people are facing those times, and, and yet you just kind of put this real positive twist on it. And as you say, words mean a lot; they mean everything to and how we think. Well, that's for sure. I've uh, you know we met a lot of people. We were over in France a few
2: years ago, and we stopped and talked to people. And and they you know I just retired, and you know we're, we're not sure what we're going to be doing. And I used to give a lot of talks years ago, uh, motivation seminars in different places. And I remember one time I talked about. People in the post office, it's a proven fact that they, they spend all their life working and then they're going to retire and, and then they retire and within a year they're, they're dead. And I had a postmaster at one particular conference came up to me and said, you know, Louis says you don't know how true that is. How many of my friends, uh, their whole life, their goal is to retire and then when they retire they have no other goals and bam, that's it. That's, it's all over. So uh, uh, I think that's the problem and, and the book talks about you know setting goals in your life, and it's, and it's amazing, even today in my business here, I've got people who are in their sixty fives who said, "You know I've never set a goal in my life, and all of a sudden it's getting them to think about you know really setting some goals down and, and even writing them down and, and doing some planning so at my age of seventy five I've, I've still got a, about a hundred goals or more that I'm working on, you know constantly trying to t- trying to achieve.
1: Well, you have another uh, phrase that you promote, EELM, which stands for enjoy every luscious moment. That really says it all.
2: Well, you know, uh, my wife and I, here I am, 75, and five years ago, I I got married. Uh, I, I lost my two previous wives, and So uh, I married this beautiful, lovely lady here in Bella Vista, and and we've been married five years. But when she called a friend and said, yeah, I'm going to be getting married soon, and the lady said, well, enjoy every luscious moment. And so we thought about that, and we sat down, and over a period of a month, we came up with ten principles for enjoy every luscious moment. And and we, EELM, and we talk about that all the time, my wife and I. In fact, when we got married, she put on the inside of my ring E-E-L-M. And so that's a way of life that we enjoy. Enjoy every luscious moment every day.
1: So often when we reach this time in life, we've been so busy, as you say, through all these decades, you know, in business and family in a community, and suddenly we make this big transition that most people call retirement. And what you're saying, you've got to manage your life as you would your business. You've got to really push yourself to be active. No question about
2: it. And I think it's a matter of, and you know, and, and as we get older, we have health problems and everything else, and uh, we have to work around that, we have to have plans, and, and maybe we can't play golf anymore, but there's other things that we can do. In fact, uh, one of my goals I've had for a lot of years was to play bridge, and I just learned to play bridge two weeks ago, and uh, we had some new neighbors, and so I've been sitting there with, uh, with our new neighbors playing bridge. Uh, my wife and I practice at night, and I've been reading about it, and you know, something I've wanted to do for all these years and never did, but now I'm playing bridge. We had about uh, 28 people over the house last night. We had neighbors come over for an open house for for the new people that live on either side of us. And uh, somebody said, uh, oh, is that your piano? And my wife got it for me five years ago because I said, you know, I've had a goal. I've always wanted to be able to play piano. I took lessons as a kid, never followed through. And so now I have a piano, and I was taking some piano lessons. So it's great. You don't don't have to, when you get this old, you can have things you never did before and just set goals and start working on them.
1: One of your chapters is titled, "Oh My Aching Back. I guess that kind of sums up what some of us go through or a lot of us go through when we reach these l- later years.
2: Well, and I did have that aching back, too. And I'll tell you, I, I did some research. I got on a computer, and like you, uh, you know, we talked about it. it. It's hard for us older guys to work on these computers. Uh, and I got young people working with me, and they know that high-tech stuff, and they can do it, and I have to defer to them. But I did some research, and, and I found out there were some pills out there for my back pain. And, uh, and so I got them, and boy, they really do a job, and I don't have that back pain anymore. But you got to look for it. you gotta you got to search out for it. you got to say, uh, you know, I'm not going to live with it. I'm going to do something about it. So that's important.
1: What does this mean? Where is your popular... Forest. I didn't say that right, did I? Poplar Forest. No, pop,
2: poplar, yeah. Poplar well, Forest. P-O-P-L-A-R.
1: Poplar. P-O-P-L-A-R. Yeah. poplar. What does that poplar. mean? Poplar.
2: Well, we're doing some research. In fact, my, my daughter said, Dad, did you know about Thomas Jefferson? And so she sent me some information about him. And, you know, Thomas Jefferson, of course, uh, went into retirement after he was uh, President of the United States. And he went ahead, and uh, he had a retirement home. It was about 90 miles away from Monticello. And he started building uh what was called poplar forest, and he built a house out there and this is when he was in his seventies uh, sixties well maybe late sixties into his seventies and this is where he used to go uh for retirement to do some riding and everything else and he enjoyed that there and uh so you know everybody's got to have a poplar forest some place that they can go and and uh, have have peace and enjoy themselves and what was he was in his 80s when he uh, founded the uh, University of Virginia. He was in his 80s uh, that's pretty good when you can start a university at that particular time in your life.
1: So and you say it's very important to renew when we still have parents.
2: Well, we uh, when we went into our renewalment phase Judy and I we did have uh, she had her parents with her and, and since that time we've lost her mother but we still have our uh, her dad and and we have them in a assisted living, but it was a matter of trying to how can we best take care of them. And we sat down and we we uh, we set out a whole series of goals. We would write down all kinds of questions, what what we're trying to accomplish, and how how best can we take care of them, and what can we do. And you know, so we learned how to do a reverse mortgage. Didn't know how to do that. And did a reverse mortgage, and we were able to have caregivers and and took care of him, and and even now when when after her mother died, we were able to put Nevin into a nice assisted living, and they take care of him, and, and we we're able to you know see that he's okay, uh, and and money was made available through their house, through the house that they had all those years. So it's just it's just a matter of being able to know how to set goals and and put them all together to make it happen,
1: and also knowing that some of those who have read your book. They've already seen changes in their lives. Oh, you bet. And, you know, two things I've learned, and I, I used to have an
2: old real estate broker tell me many years ago you know, two things about life are certain times change and stuff happens. And so we just have to roll with these changes. And, and, and you know, changes happen just like yesterday with, the, you know, a, a big bill and, and, and led Congress and everything. This change. There's always change, and we have to figure out how best to roll with it.
1: What do you mean by masterminding in renewalment?
2: Uh, let's see. There was a book, uh, Think and Grow Rich, written by Napoleon Hill many years ago, and it's still one of the best sellers And in, in that, he talks about the mastermind principle. And he always talked about getting together with groups of people, finding people uh, that you have something in common with. Uh, uh, you like sports or, or business or something like that, and get together once a week, have a cup of coffee, have breakfast, and and and, and talk about your goals. Talk about positive things. Talk about things that you're working on. Uh, each week, somebody can talk about something else. But when you have a a mastermind group, you're drawing from these other people positive things uh, that can make it happen. And over the years, we I've had various groups, and it was always great to see the the good things that happen from that group.
1: And when we reach this time of our lives, it's very important to have those moments for fun and games, isn't it?
2: Oh, you bet, you bet. Uh, you know, Judy and I, uh, we we take time to enjoy ourselves. We uh, we we. At home at night, we don't always like to watch television, and so we'll we'll play Scrabble, we'll play Gin Rummy, we'll we'll play Sequence, uh, we'll practice Bridge. will, uh, we'll take you know little trips. Uh, we take little vacations. We we don't take maybe one vacation a year. We take a lot of different ones. Uh, we may go away for three or four days every month, uh, but you always have to take time to enjoy your life. That's important.
1: And it's great to be able to reflect on the past. It's great to look back on the good times and maybe even some of the not-so-good times, because of the things we learned from those not-so-good times.: Well
2: there's no question about that. You know, when you look back at the bad times, and uh, in fact, I've, I've lost two wives to cancer, but even at that time, I, I, I was able to sit down. You know, I, I went to a widowed group one time, and boy, they were just thinking about the past, talking about their spouses. And I said, "Oh, I can't handle this." And then I, I went to a singles group, and 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 I said, "Oh my God, this is terrible." You know what these people are doing, and and so I I went out and I found out that hey, I've got to set some goals, and and so I set a lot of different goals, and. And then had my direction going well, and I shared that with those people that I had just visited with, and they didn't know where they were going. So, you know, there, there's rough times, but you always got to have your goals, and you have to have the direction and where you're going. And of course, the memories are great. I, I'm sitting here in my office looking at the pictures all around me, and uh, I set a goal that, uh, uh, you know, something special I wanted to, was to be able to fly a T 6 Warbird. Gave it to my wife a couple years ago. And last year, for my 75th birthday, my wife arranged for me to go flying in a T-6 Warbird. She took me out to the airport, the grandkids saying, happy birthday. And, man, they put me in a flight suit and a parachute, and, and I went up flying a, a T-6 Warbird. Now, that's exciting when you're 75.
1: Well, that is. Congratulations. And uh, another great word, and you've kind of, we've talked about it, but this will be a, a good place to kind of uh in uh, this interview, we'll be talk about attitude. Yeah,
2: attitude is what it's all about. I, you know, In fact, I, I was watching a, a TV show the other day, and the guy said, something: get rid of your ants. And so I, I thought, that is really great. And so I put it into an email to all my agents. We had a sales meeting this morning, and, and I said the other day, don't bring your ants with you. And they all said, what are you talking about? Don't bring your ants with you. And I said, ants, that stands for Automatic Negative Thoughts leave them out. We don't want automatic negative thoughts. We've got to have PMA, positive mental attitude, and that's the way you have to go through life. There's tough times out there, but you've got to keep that positive mental attitude that makes all the difference in the world.
1: Well, we just need to redefine our life, I'm sure, as we go through life, and it's even more important when we reach this time where sometimes uh, the unexpected happens because of what's going on with in the family with health and and what the economy is doing there's all kinds of unexpected things but you certainly point out some good principles the 10 principles as you say are throughout this book well
2: it's it's a it's a small book it uh, you it's easy reading you you know on a flight from here to new york to california you can finish it and uh, you can finish it in one evening but it, it was fun sharing on these ideas and i love to share ideas with people about renewal and about how life is
1: how do we get your book? Tell us, Lou. Well, uh, they
2: can go on uh, to renewalment.com, uh, www.renewalment.com, and they can order it there. That's your website? That's my website, yes. And of course. And they can go on the website and read about EELM. They can read the 10 principles of what that is and, and some other thoughts and
1: ideas. Well, we appreciate you being on this special interview brought to you by Trafford Publishing. Thank you so much Lou.
2: Fantastic I I thank you very
1: much for the opportunity Steve. That was Lou Kaufman he is the author of his book Don't Retire, Renew the new concept of life after work. Live life to its fullest in renewalment.
0: Listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages.
3: East Texas Meals on Wheels needs your help. For the first time in 35 years, Meals on Wheels has a waiting list for meals. Currently, we serve more than 3,500 meals per day. With the help of donors and volunteers, we can eliminate the waiting list and serve more meals and ensure all who need a hot, nutritious meal are served. You can call our offices, toll free at 1-800-451-2912 to find out more about how you can help. You can also visit our website at www.MealsOnWheelsEastTexas.org. Again, toll free at one 800 451 or visit us on the web at www.MealsOnWheelsEastTexas.org. After all, when a person needs a meal, they need it today, not tomorrow. Thank you for helping Meals on Wheels.
4: Saturdays on Toginap.com. It's Author Talk. Get the story behind the story on fiction and literature, graphic novels, horror, mystery and crime novels, romance, science fiction and fantasy, westerns, history, humor, inspiration, and every genre. It's all on Author Talk. You'll get to hear new authors talk about their books. Take the opportunity to hear insights on what inspired them to write it. It's called Author Talk on TogiNet.com. And it's presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their book around the world. Author House has assisted more than 30,000 authors, producing over 40,000 titles. Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen every Saturday on TogiNet.com. Radio with a cutting edge.
0: Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen.
1: The title of the book, The Traveler, and the author is Jenna Lindsay, and Jenna joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Jenna. Hello, Steve. This is a science fiction thriller, and it's intense and action-packed. Sometimes uh, it has some very intense, and even some people say even they could use the word horror. That you take us to the extreme of our emotions, and this is about a time traveler. And I I just want to kind of set it up with a just reading a little bit from the prologue. You write, "The machine was ready. The traveler examined the final data again. After centuries of traveling from world to world, she felt afraid. After mediating political disputes, preserving treaties, and preventing wars, the traveler felt small." uncertain, and alone. Why? Yeah, why, I, did you, why did you write this book in the way you did? What, what, what was the motivation?
5: Two things were happening. One is um, I was noticing that uh, particular phrases were used cavalierly, that people would say, I'm sorry, but. And it seemed to me to discount the apology. And that the phrase, I love you, was frequently misused as well. I love you, but I love you. Therefore, whatever I've done to hurt you is okay. And contemplating that, I was uh, it was winter here in Calgary, and there was a street light uh, across from my study window where I was just sitting, mulling over, you know, various ideas. And uh, snow started to blow across the light, and I thought it looked really beautiful and magical. And uh, I, I thought, what what is magical? What is so powerful about this phrase, "I love you," and what is so magical about the snow? I, in my study, I had a photograph of a castle in winter, and I started to combine these different ideas and images, and. I wanted to pursue them with magic, but also uh, with science fiction fantasy to blend those two genres. As I was blending these ideas and images, so um, I thought, well, I want time travel, but I, I don't like too much technology. But I'm going to need a little bit of it, and I want something very magical, like castles and and blowing snow in in a, the early light of evening. To me, to me, was very visually really beautiful to look at. Uh, Of course, I was inside my study where it was nice and warm. And that's how I started. I started right there, and at the end of Chapter 1, it actually, um, it says, I'm drunk propped in the doorway across the street, saw a man and a woman talking beside a lamppost. He blinked, and they were gone. It began to snow. And that's the end of Chapter 1, and you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. So in the prologue, we have the technology, but we have magic happening at the end of chapter one, part one. And then uh, from there, I take you through uh, a world of magic and castles. And then I take you to another world where it's technology and um, then another world again where there's more magic. And finally, um, is she going to use this? The time travel machine she 's created or isn't she so I, I, I really enjoyed working with the, the blend of genres and and i I really enjoyed creating a mystery uh, it was very unexpected to me how how chilling it got how scary um, definitely one hundred and eighty degrees around from my from my first book, which was uh, so much of a more of an adventure this this one is um, this one's intense as you said
1: and it has a happy ending
5: it does have a happy ending i i'm a stickler for happy endings i i and at i hope that um the story is literally told in a flashback in the prologue the traveler jenny is looking at this time machine will she use it or not it's a it's a very it's the most important decision she will ever make because if she has made any miscalculations if anything goes wrong, that's, this is her one chance. And so she has to really be 100% certain. And she, that's why she's frightened. And she says, I looked out the window, and he was there. And so the entire story is her remembering. So if at any point in the story, you start to get really anxious or scared or think, oh, oh, this is great, but if I can't sleep. I, <laughs> I have to shut the book. I, I have to put it down. Oh, I can't put it down. I want to know what happens next. Um, you just have to say, oh, right, this is, she survived all this somehow. I have to find out how, see if I can figure out the puzzle for myself, solve the mystery. And um, then in the epilogue, well, she'll make her decision or not, and either way there will be a happy ending. But you've got to buy the book.
1: <laughs> so is Ginny in search of love?
5: Ginny has love. She has real love. Um, she's explaining it to her friend, um at the near the start of the book in Chapter 1, real love, more than true, and better than everlasting. Real love, incomprehensible, passionate, peaceful, and life-fulfilling. And she has that, and she loses it, and she struggles to regain it. She, she needs to regain her memory, which she loses for the first time she travels, and to understand why she's traveling, and how can she possibly return to the real love uh, that she that she had and that she's, she's hanging on to, that that's her motivation as she travels to understand what's happening to her, why, and how to get back to the real love.
1: And she travels alone.
5: She does. She travels alone. She, she meets, uh, in part two, she meets a wonderful, wonderful uh, person named Susatch who is... Uh, Instrumental in helping her, befriend her. They become fast friends, and uh, I really, I really liked that. In part three, again, she she is befriended by an, an another uh, woman, uh, Brinadar, And the, the two of them have a few things in common, and together they, um, you know, try to escape the really horrifying truth that's lurking in the shadows. In this book, there's a lot of description of light and shadows. I find shadows can be spooky, they can be dramatic, they can be beautiful. The change of light can alter how, whether you speak in a hushed whisper or um, whether you speak boldly and loudly. So I, I played around with that a little bit.
1: Does Ginny have uh, an enemy that kind of pursues her or she's pursuing? I mean, there's always that forces of evil and in that have to be dealt with
5: well i don't believe that and certainly there there are villainous people uh in each each world she travels to who um believe that who don't believe that they're uh villains at all and like the person who says i'm sorry or who says i love you and that's supposed to make everything okay, that person doesn't believe that they've done anything wrong. They don't believe that they're in any way a villain or harmful. And is she being pursued? No. She's she's being pulled. And, um, you know, it, you have to read the book. I, I, I've said that before. I'm sorry that I don't want to spoil it for you, especially for people who who'd like to solve it themselves, who don't cheat and skip ahead to the ending, uh, <laughs> um, that it, it gets really interesting. And um, uh, I, myself, would be surprised sometimes. I'd be writing and doing a revision, and I'd say, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Who wrote this? Oh right.
1: I did. <laughs> it's kinda of like standing on the sidelines, right? And here you're yeah. in, right in the middle of the game, but you're on the sidelines at the same time. I think that's authors go through that often, especially with fiction and especially with thrillers. I mean that that yeah. uh, because your uh, readers are going to go, Oh my goodness, I didn't expect this.
5: Yes, that's I hope. I hope that the that, that it's unexpected. Um that the, the that it's compelling. I really I want you to be scared and and have nightmares uh, if you like to be scared. Um, it's uh, the focus of Ginny. Is, she's surrounded by a lot of chaos, and I want you to feel that chaos and trust in yourself and in Ginny uh, that you're going to survive it. And if you feel at some point, oh no, this is too scary, just remember she's already survived it. So just hang in there with her and try and figure out exactly what's happening. And that's when, in part three, it gets—that's where the horror is, where you go, oh, wow, oh, that's really, woo, that's scary. And and then you, and then it keeps going from there. And you say, whoa, now what? <clears throat> that was fun for me <laughs> as a writer. And uh, so far, people have been saying to me, wow, I really enjoy this.
1: Well, you say that you found it difficult to write those mm. scenes of violence.
5: Yes, I did. I always do. And the scenes where Ginny was experiencing the violence directly were really disturbing to me. I I really found it difficult to write them, and I would write the scene, and then I would leave my study and just breathe deeply and Uh try and be very detached from it. And then I would go back in and read it over and say, okay, now uh, to make it really well written, what do I need to pay attention to here and there? And then to make it flow and and be you know cohesive with the story um, and true to the character and the supporting characters. And there's a lot of supporting characters and a lot of... Um, subplots and uh that to to write the scenes of violence um i i took a lot of breaks (laughs) i took a lot of breaks but when you're reading it them in context it will hopefully it's it's not like page after page after page of violence i like to be succinct it's there because it's necessary to the story only and it's brief it's to the point it's in my my, I hope well written and keeps you on the edge of your seat. And then you're out of it, you're clear of it, and you know why that happened. And you continue to read to find out more. Um, but they were hard to write. Because a, I I I don't like scary movies myself. <laughs> you
1: don't like scary movies. You just like <laughs> I'm, I'm to write wood. them. You just Party? like to have other people experience the scary yeah. movies. Yeah. Just the gonna scary write it, book.
5: And they here, you read and skip the scary bits. <laughs> yeah. But you can't really skip very many of the scary bits in The Traveler because there's so many of them. They're, you know, it's, uh, it, mystery in and of itself is, is scary. You don't know what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next? This is intense. You, She you cannot remember, she can't remember. And when she does remember, well, what is it she's remembering? And um, it's, it's very... Um, uh, uh, writing it, I'm very concentrated and deep within what the character is experiencing. Then when I revise it, I'm one step removed and a little bit further removed. But the first time someone reads The Traveler, I hope that they get really compelled and involved and experience that and just, if it's disturbing and unsettling to them, I've done a good job. But also, just remember that it's all told as she, re- she reflects back on how she got to the point in the prologue.
1: We've got a couple oh, more minutes please. in the uh, in our talk here. okay uh, Jenna uh, one of the supporting characters in your book said the universe is a cruel place, but not maliciously so, so that kind of yes. sums it up, doesn't it?
5: Yes, uh, we tend to think that when we're going we as humans as people, we think that when something is going terribly wrong and we can't see. How we're ever going to survive it, uh, that it's on purpose that we're being punished or that we deserve it or that there, or that there's no hope. And, and it is tough out there and it is scary. Whatever's happening to you, something terrible and extraordinary like time travel and traveling through time and space or something like um, that really frightens you. Maybe you have to get up and get up in front of a lot of people and give a public speech, and it's scary and awful. And you're thinking, "Oh, I can't possibly do this." Whatever the context, um, it's not the universe is a cruel place, but not maliciously. It's it's not personal, and you know you will get through it. You will have your happy ending.
1: You say that it's a story filled with mystery, it's chilling, it's about love, and the characters are strong, determined, and desperate. Yes. Traveling to five different worlds, and it's now. So all the above that combine into this thriller, intense, action-packed science fiction, we congratulate you on your second book. Yes. And much different from your first one.
5: Completely, and it's not a sequel. I've had a lot of requests for a sequel, and sorry, this isn't it.
1: Well, how do we get your book, Jenna?
5: You can uh, get it from iUniverse, iUniverse.com, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble, and in Canada, Chapters and Indigo, you know, everywhere.
1: (laughs) Everywhere, everywhere everywhere great books are sold. We can get your book just by telling them. Telling them, I they,
5: you know, please order this for me, right. or you can go online yourself and order it direct from any of those sites or direct from iUniverse if you want to get a free preview page, get a little more detail about what's in store for you. iUniverse has the big scoop, and Amazon has, and Barnes and & Noble, um, et cetera. They have a little bit, not as much as iUniverse, but they have some.
1: Well, thank you, Jenna. Thank you for being on this edition of iUniverse Radio.
5: Thank you, Steve.
1: That was Jenna Lindsay. She is the author of her book, The Traveler.
0: You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages.
4: He's a diehard American. He's right, and he has the last name to prove it. He's Jason Wright, the host of The Right Side of the Aisle on Toginet Radio. Jason is a father and self-made entrepreneur who turned a struggling East Texas real estate firm into a top-notch million-dollar company. Jason Wright loves America and is very concerned about where we are headed as a nation. He's dedicated to traditional American values. Jason Wright. Join us every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern for The Right Side of the Aisle on Toginet.com. Maybe if I write a book, it will be the thing that keeps me alive. Those are the troubled words of a new 16 year old author with her first thought provoking book, What Gives? Published by Togi Entertainment. The author kept a diary during her dark teenage times, which turned into a 360 page suicide note with a happy ending. Texas Monthly describes teen author Chelsea Marie and her new book, What Gives? in this provocative way. We've plunged from page to page, not because of the young diarist's despondency. Depression is not especially attractive or compelling but because we are fascinated to see that while she is fending off demons on one hand, she is writing verse with the other. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores. Readers of What Gives are giving rave reviews. All social scientists, teachers, and students should use this book as a learning tool. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores.
0: Welcome back to iUniverse Radio, with host Steve Jorgensen.
1: The title of the book, What God Wants You to Know, and the author is Raul Ledesma, and Raul joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Raul. Good morning. Good to have you with us. Now, we're going to talk about this book that you have written, uh, focused on our relationship with God, and I want to read a portion of your introduction. Uh, You write this, This book was not written for theologians, scholars, religious people, nor pastors. It was written in an easy-to-understand manner, so that if you have never read the Bible, do not understand Christian language, have no idea about god's principles do not know who god is or that he even exists you can develop an interest in learning more about him since it is not a religious book it is not intended to bring you into a religion the reason for that is that no religion can open the gates of heaven to you only god can why did you write the book what god wants you to know raul
6: well because i know we're in the end times what we call the end times in other words, Jesus is coming back, and I know there's a heaven and there's an, uh, a hell, and I know that God wants people uh, to repent and to go to heaven, and that's exactly what I want. Because if we are what well, we call ourselves Christians, we actually love people, and it doesn't matter the color, the age, the social status, or anything. We just want people to go to heaven, which is God's, um, God's desire for us. It's just that we have gotten away from God. And many people don't know anything about God. Um, uh, The only God they know is is maybe um, what they see in a movie or hear from their friends or even here in a a church. And sometimes that's not an accurate description of God because God wants to be our best friend, our father, our God, our king, everything to us. And he can be all that. And people are living a short life, not not just short in years, but uh, not really getting the fulfillment they should get, because they don't know that God actually wants to bless them.
4: Yeah, you so, say- anyway.
6: That's why I wrote it, so people will have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and uh, of course, spend eternity with God.
1: You say that the information in this book transcends time, cultures, languages age groups, social status, educational level, and any other barrier we may think of?
6: Yes, because sometimes we put barriers to, uh, you know, racial barriers or social barriers or educational barriers or uh, culture. Uh, We ourselves put up barriers, and uh, God has no barriers, and I also wrote it in a easy manner that anybody can understand it and you're not going to feel insulted if you're a doctor and read it or a scientist and read it it's not first grade level but yet it's not you don't have to be a professor in college to read it and it's easy going and i explain everything in detail and in a practical way that people can immediately put it to use some of the principles that are discussed in the bible or in the book because they come from the bible i get everything exactly from the bible I don't add, I don't detract, uh, because I watch some evangelists on TV and I love them, some of them, but some of them add to it or make it, they make it say what it doesn't say. They add lib or they put something in between the lines and they say, what does it really say that in the Bible? <laughs> and that's how they take away from it? You know, they don't uh, give you the full power as to who God is and what he can do and that he's real, that he's alive, that he can help you now, not only in eternity, but now. And so I want to make sure that it applies to everybody. So it doesn't matter the race, the culture, the time. Uh, this book will always be uh, right up front. Uh, it will always help people. It doesn't matter what problem they have. God can help with any problem, and that's what I explained there. Uh, it, it's all about faith. It's all about believing. It's all about having the truth. And uh, the Bible says, my, uh, which Jesus said, of course, God said, My people perish because of lack of knowledge. And so if we don't know something, how can we claim something we don't know? It's like if you don't know there's a speed limit and you're going 100 miles an hour and the speed limit is 35, you probably wind up in jail. But if you go to Germany, where I lived for years, and there's no speed limit, you do 100 and nothing happens. Uh, So God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And I just want them to have that knowledge who God really is, and how He wants them to live, and how He can help them, as well as help me.
1: Now, you've been a believer all your life in in the existence of God. However, you say you never prayed, read the Bible, nor went to church, but all that changed in 1978. Tell us what happened.
6: Well, I always knew there was a God. My grandmother used to tell me there was a God, my mother told me there was a God, but I never went to church. I never, I knew there was a God, but I thought he was like so far distant from me and that, that he couldn't hear me or see me or anything like that. And that he would just, you know, probably didn't really care that much. Made the world forgot about it and, and, and he's in heaven and we're here. But in 1978, Jesus actually appeared to me in a vision. I saw him. And I don't know how long I saw him because. Um, I, I, I just got home from work, and I was tired, and uh, I closed my eyes. Uh, and as soon as I closed my eyes, I'm talking about maybe two seconds, he appeared to me. It was a vision, but he was more real than anything I'd seen. And uh, I don't know if I saw him for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 40 minutes, because uh, even though I never went to church, I knew he was Jesus, and, and I knew he was God. And he was just looking at me with his hands extended out to me, like, come to me. And so I wanted to see him as long as I could, but then after a while I said, well, I'm sure it's him, and I'm sure he's calling me, and, and I already saw enough of him, so I opened my eyes, and he was no longer there. But I don't know if it was 10 minutes, 15, 20, 30, I have no idea, but I saw him until I was completely sure, satisfied it was him, and I saw him as clear as i have seen anything in my life. Uh, three, three months later, I was watching television in the morning because I had many, many, many problems. So at about 5.30, 5 in the morning on a Sunday, I was watching television because I had nothing else to do and I had so many problems, and all Roberts robbers was on. At, when I was young, we used to kind of make fun of Oral robbers. We used to laugh because he used to say, be healed, and we used to say, be healed, but it was a joke to us. But this time... Uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I'm watching him, and I received the Lord Jesus Christ through him, and I became what they call a born-again Christian. About, I don't know, maybe a year or two later, I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I spent four days with our Roberts robbers and people praying, and we saw all kinds of people get healed uh, from all kinds of diseases, including people I knew. So I knew it was real. You know, they were not faking it. There was people I knew that had something wrong with them, and they were healed right in front of my eyes. So from the beginning, I really became a believer. I, I, as Oral prophets used to say, expect a miracle today. And I started expecting a miracle. And I started getting them. I'm a pragmatist, so if I had not seen miracles right from the beginning, I wouldn't have been a Christian. That's probably why Jesus appeared to me, because if I hadn't seen him, I was the type who used to say, uh, show me, and I'll believe If I didn't, you know, I'm a school teacher, so I'm saying, show me, and I believe. And if he hadn't shown himself to me, I probably wouldn't believe. And if I hadn't seen the miracles immediately, I probably wouldn't believe, but I started seeing miracles immediately uh, because I expected them. And that's one of the things I talk to the people in the book. How can you get a miracle if you don't expect it, if you don't really believe it? In other words, somebody has cancer. And you pray for them, but you say, they're not going to get sick. I'm not sure. Or you're the one who has cancer, and people pray for you. I'm not sure about these people. I probably will not get healed. Well, if you have doubts, you will not be healed. Because what Jesus explains several times in the Bible, he'll tell people, be done to you according to your faith. Or your faith has made you whole. He didn't say, I healed you, even though we knew it was him. He said, according to your faith, or uh, your faith has healed you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, according to the Bible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six. So we have to have faith, and, and thank God, from day one, I had faith. I didn't know much about the Bible, but I had faith. And throughout the years, of course, I have read the Bible, I have prayed, I have heard God's voice many times. I only saw him once, but I have actually heard his voice many times, just like he talked to me. I mean, a couple of times he talked to me, and I'm alone, and I look around because I think somebody else is there, and I don't see him. I don't see anybody. It was just him talking to me, uh telling me something. you know it sounded like a sentence. Nothing long, like I said, like you are correct or do this or, you know, something like that. Um, but I, I, I know 100% it's him.
1: Well, well, let's look so at I learned s- to, learn to, to
6: uh, understand his voice.
1: Let's look at some of your uh, chapter titles. I'm going to read a few uh, and then we'll comment on some of them. Uh, who needs God? Which God should I choose? What can God do for you? The first thing you should do, the Bible, creation, the creator, a triune God, the divine trinity. Goes on to talk about God's will. Uh, here's one, God's purpose for your life. Now, tell us about that.
6: Well, some people go through life and say, I, I don't know why I'm here. I remember the 70s. I wasn't one of those, but people, I'm, I'm looking for myself. I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) So the Bible is very clear. God wanted a family. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us so we could be reconciled back to God and become his family. So we are his children. So our purpose is to to serve God, to be a light for Jesus to others, to take the word of God to other people, as I am doing. That's our purpose in life. Uh, My favorite scripture is um, Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be added unto you. So we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness uh, in everything we do. Uh, I was a high school teacher, but what I used to do, I offered God my day in the morning. I said, Father God, I offer you this day to you. Use me as you will to do your will. And something like that. And everything I do, I offer to God because that's my main purpose, to serve God. Every human being, the main purpose is to get close to God. Eventually, we have to go back to heaven and be with him throughout eternity. That, that's our job here. Now, we may be a lawyer. We may be a teacher. We may be an engineer or whatever else we might be. And, and that's okay. Do the best job you can, which I tell people in the book and everywhere else. Do the best you can everywhere you go because we actually represent God. Uh, And also, how can we help people if we're not doing the best we can? So we have to learn as much as we can about the Bible, but not only about the Bible, about things, you know, mathematics, English, whatever it is, whatever we do, learn as much as we can and do it as if we were doing it unto God.
1: Well, here's some other...
6: You have a a business and don't do it as I'm doing it to the client. Do it as if you're doing it unto God. If you do it unto God, you're going to do well.
1: Well, that's for sure. We appreciate your positive attitude and your teaching, uh, Raul. Here's some other headings in your chapters. Uh, You will not be saved by your works, only the shedding of blood, redeems sin, obedience, or disobedience. Here's one. It rains on the just and the unjust. We have a couple minutes left, so it rains on the just and the unjust. Give us some of your philosophy on that.
6: Well, this is a big question because some people always have the question. If God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? Which is true, right? And God says, he raised on the just and the unjust. In other words, when a hurricane hits, all the people living in that area are affected. The just and the unjust. The Christian, non-Christian. Believers, unbelievers. They all get whacked the same way, you know, because of the hurricane. Now, why did a hurricane can't come? Probably because God is judging the area. You know, maybe there's a lot of witchcraft, uh, uh, something they're doing against God, and God is judging, because he's judging today as he was 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what happened? if I happen to be living in that area, uh, something's going to happen to me just because I'm there. Or maybe somebody else did something. It's not God's fault, but something caused this to happen, and I'm just in the area. But see, people think that the best thing here um, that happen to us, that's eternal. The thing is that no matter what happens to us here, we have eternal life. And, and they're saying, the worst thing that might happen to me, let me put it this way, I'm going to die. But I don't even, I'm not afraid of dying because I'm going to heaven. So it's not really a bad thing. <laughs> it's not really a bad thing. That's why I don't really care when I die. I don't want to die soon, but if I die, it's no problem with me. I'm going to heaven. So, because i 'm just, so what happens bad thing, the things that happen to us in this earth is really nothing compared to the goodness we 're going to get when we go to heaven. This is just like, uh, like kindergarten let 's say preparing you for school, and because uh, eternity would be the rest of life or the rest of our education. so you know things do happen to be to the just ears, but it 's all in god 's plans, and it might have been also because somebody else sin. sinned. the Bible says that uh, it goes to the third, fourth, fifth generation. in my parents say, you or know, my grandparents or great grandparents, I may be paying for what they did. Or the people where I lived did something wrong. Not me, but other people, and I'm paying for what they did. So that happens. Uh, and so that's why people always ask the question why do bad things happen to good people? Well, maybe not even bad. Like if a child is three years old and he dies, and then why did he die? Maybe the child would have suffered a lot in this world, and God takes him home earlier. Because all the children go to heaven anyway. All children go to heaven, they're innocent. And, it's, and the same thing with another human being. Uh, he might be suffering, suffering, God takes him home early, so he will not suffer so much. So you have to look at it in the perspective, uh, from God's perspective, and also from eternity, not just from now. Why am I suffering now? When I received Jesus Christ in 1978, I was really hurting. I was going through a lot of pain, through a lot of trouble, uh, and then I re- and then I would have said, Why am I going through all this pain? If I had not been going through that pain, I would not have received Jesus Christ. Because I thought I'm self-sufficient, I'm a school teacher, I'm got a master's degree, I'm intelligent, I got money in the bank, uh, and so on down the line, I, I, I thought it was me. And then when God knocked me completely down, completely down, I thought, Wait a minute, I need somebody else. I need. Something higher than me. I need something more intelligent than me. And it was God, of course. But I would have never done it unless I had seen it or unless I had been so low in my life that I had no option. I really had no option. Nowhere to turn. No human being could help me where I was, uh, sort of stuff. And only God could. Well, Raul,
1: we really appreciate your faith and, and your. Of wisdom and your understanding of, of the of the Bible, we really appreciate you uh, writing this book. It's available in two languages, Spanish and English. Tell us how to get your book.
6: Uh, well, first of all, it's going to be in the bookstores, but uh, they can also get a hold of me uh, by an email. It's rl salvation at fbcglobal dot net.
1: RL salvation at sbcglobal.net
6: right or they can also write to us at um, 2718 decoy drive dcoy sparks nevada 89436
1: well we want to thank you for being on this edition of Universe radio raul thank you so much well
6: god bless you and, and um keep believing in god because he's real like i said he, he's so real if not, I had not, I would not have seen you if you were not real, or I would not have heard his
1: voice. <laughs> that was Raul Ledesma. He is the author of his book, What God Wants You to Know.
0: iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.